0: Scripture is from Romans 8, 18. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We've had a good day, a very beautiful day, and we're grateful for that. We're thankful to those of you who are visiting. As always, we encourage you to come back and be with us. We're thankful for the many visitors that come our way from week to week. And we want to encourage each and every one to come as regularly as possible. If you are looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. I think we have a great work that is ongoing. We have a lot of opportunities for service, and we would love to have you come and join hands with us and help us by way of expanding the borders of the kingdom in this community. I appreciate Billy leading us in these songs tonight, particularly as they relate to the fact that God does indeed care when we suffer in life. And tonight I want us to talk for a little bit about the reality of suffering. Those of us who live here on planet Earth, we are very familiar with suffering. I think about the statement made by Christ from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are any number of individuals in our world that because of human suffering will sometimes ask the question, why? The psalmist in Psalm 10 asked the question, why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? Many, many people have asked the question, why? What about the problem of human suffering? Well, what I want us to do in our study together is to first of all note the problem of suffering. And then in the second place, we're going to note the profitability of suffering. There are burdens that we have to endure when we face human suffering, but there are also benefits or blessings, byproducts, if you please that come to those of us who suffer here on earth. And so we're gonna talk for just a moment or two about this. The first thing I wanna do is examine suffering itself. I said just a moment ago that there are any number of individuals that ask the question, why? Why do we live on an earth that is plagued with human suffering, disease, death itself? Let me just share with you some quotations, three to be exact that I think helped to put into perspective human suffering. Wayne Jackson, in an article entitled, Is God There?, has written, we are citizens of a planet cursed by evil, and we, like others, are heir to its hardships. And then there is a statement made by W.T. Hamilton in a book, Why Has All This Happened to Us? He suggests that suffering is the second oldest problem faced by the human family. It is antedated only by the problem of sin. And then there is a book that was penned many years ago by Dr. Scott M. Peck, a book entitled, The Road Less Traveled. And he makes this assertion, life is difficult. When we talk about Human suffering, what we need to understand is that no one is exempt. As a matter of fact, human suffering is universal in scope. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor, black or white, educated, uneducated. Everyone on planet earth is going to face suffering to some extent. Now, I will freely grant that some seem to suffer more than others for whatever reason. But when we we think about life here on earth, suffering is an age-old problem. Brother Jackson pointed out that we live on a planet that has been cursed by evil. What I would do is call your attention back to the book of Genesis, chapters 2 and 3. You remember when God created the first couple, Adam and Eve? He instructed them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, The day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Now, in chapter 3, we read of the servant coming on the scene and deceiving Mother Eve. And then also, Moses tells us that Adam likewise was taken in transgression. He too was deceived. When that occurred, death made its entrance into the human family, both spiritually and physically. For example, in Romans chapter 5 at verse 12, Paul would say, For by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What we need to understand is that really when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, a floodgate was opened. And as a result of sin or transgression, human disease, sickness, illness, Suffering, to just be very generic, entered the world and thus has become a blight to the human family. Now I said a moment ago that none of us are exempt from human suffering. Job said it this way, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You see, life is often filled with trouble. As Dr. Peck observed, life is difficult. But I want you to think with me now about some examples of suffering. One of the great things about the Bible is it presents great characters to us in a very transparent way. One of the beautiful things about both the Old and New Testaments is that we are introduced to any number of of godly characters that have graced planet Earth. And one of the things that I find encouraging or comforting is to know that they faced difficulties in life. Someone has said that that when we face adversity, we like someone to to share in that adversity. Well, when we look back to some of the great characters of the Bible, we see that, that life for them was not necessarily easy. As a matter of fact, they had very difficult times. So let me just cite for you some examples. First of all, let me call your attention to Jacob. Jacob, as you know, was a descendant of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. Jacob, you recall, had 12 sons, and one of those sons was very close to him, a child by the name of Joseph. He was his favored son. He gave him a coat of many colors. In Genesis chapter 37, we read of the plight of Joseph. You remember, Joseph was cast into a pit by his brothers ultimately sold into slavery, to the hand, into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites. Well, when his brothers came back home, they had to tell their father about, they had to tell their father something. They didn't want to tell him that they had sold him. They didn't want to tell him that they hated him. And so they basically made up a story. And Jacob assumed that his favorite son had been devoured by a wild beasts. They had taken that coat of many colors and dipped it in blood. And thus, when he saw the evidence, he thought, Well, my son's dead. He's perished. And so he said, I'm going to go down to my grave in suffering or in mourning. He wept bitterly. And we talk about mental anguish. Here was a father suffering because he thought his child was dead. Let me give you another example of somebody that I think typifies suffering in many, many respects. And that is Job. We looked just a moment ago at Job 14 at verse 1. Look at the life of Job. I don't know of anyone that, well, when I look back over time, and I think about the adversities that many people have faced, I don't know of anyone that faced The difficulties that Job did. Job was a man who lived in the land of Uz, somewhere near Edom. And the Bible tells us that he was a wealthy man. He had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. Job enjoyed many great blessings from Almighty God. But in a very brief period of time, everything that was near and dear to the heart of Job was taken from him. His children perished, that is they died His livestock, his servants, they too perished. And then, according to chapter 2, his own health was stripped from him. Now, in looking at Job chapters 1 and 2, we see that Satan was behind this assault on the character and the life of Job. But in chapter 1, Job made this observation. He said, naked came I into this world, naked shall I depart, blessed be the name of the Lord. In chapter 2, after his body was afflicted with great boils, his own wife said, Curse God and die. Job was suffering physically, emotionally. He was distraught. And so we read in chapter 2 of his three friends that, that came upon the scene, and they came for the purpose of comforting him and mourning with him. The text tells us that when they lifted up their eyes, they did not recognize him. I just think about... How deeply Job must have suffered as a result of everything that came upon him. But Job was a man that walked planet Earth. He enjoyed an abundance of things in this life. But listen, that poor man suffered immensely. And so he is a great example. And then in the New Testament, I think about the life of Paul. You ever thought about all that Paul suffered in the flesh? Paul suffered both physically and mentally. Let me just cite for you a couple of examples. In chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Paul brings to mind, as a matter of fact, he really catalogs the things that he encountered for the cause of Christ. He talks about how he had received 195 stripes by the Jews. Imagine having 195 stripes laid upon your back. He said three times he had been beaten with rods, he said he had been stoned on one occasion. He said three times. I was shipwrecked. And then he said that he spent a night and a a day in the deep. In verse 26, he said, In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, Often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. And then besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. And so when you look at the life of Paul, you see that Paul suffered both physically and emotionally. Over in chapter 12, he would talk about the thorn in the flesh that was given unto him. And he said he besought the Lord three times that God would remove that thorn in the flesh. Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to what that thorn in the flesh actually was. But nonetheless, here was a man that suffered. The fourth example I want to cite for you is Jesus. When you read the New Testament, one of the things that you have to admit is that Jesus suffered immensely. As a matter of fact, it was prophesied about Christ that he would suffer for us. Isaiah chapter 53 in a very graphic way, Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse 22, or rather 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21, he said for even hereunto were you called that Christ also suffered for us. Look at the immense suffering that Jesus experienced on Calvary. For us. The Bible says him who knew no sin. He became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Go back and read sometime Matthew. Matthew's account. Or just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And note if you would their narrative. Of the trial and crucifixion of Christ. Here was the son of God. Being inhumanely treated. The Bible tells us that they slapped him that they spat upon him, that they placed a crown of thorns upon his head, that they scourged him, and then what did they do but nail him to a cross? And so the immense suffering and pain that Jesus experienced on our behalf. Now think about what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4. He said, We have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus can identify with the difficulties that we, that we face as human beings here upon planet earth because he too partook of suffering while on this earth. So he can identify with us. The song that we sing: does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. He cares because he's been there. He has been in our shoes. Now, let's think for just a moment as we move from some examples of suffering... To the expectation of suffering. And here's what you need to see in this. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, we might as well prepare to suffer here on planet earth. Why? Because it's a part of life. It's going to be very difficult to, to escape life unscathed by human suffering. Now many of us here, like, we like to watch football. Some of you here play football. And there is, a, there, is, there is a principle in football that I think helps us to, to understand what life is all about. If you play football, and it really doesn't matter what position you play, you're gonna get hit. At some point in time during practice or in a game, you're gonna get hit. There are some guys, they get hit every play. Even kickers get hit. Well, what's the point? When a person gets hit on the football field, what do they do? They have to get back up, don't they? Well, that's true with life. If you live long enough here on planet Earth, you're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked to the ground. And you're going to have to get up, dust yourself off, and move forward. When people people make the decision to play football, when when young men decide they're going to play football, they understand on the front end, listen, it's a violent game. It's a tough game. And, and when, when they enter practice or, or a game, they know they're going to get hit. They're going to hit and they're going to be hit. Same is true with life. In life, we're going to hit and we're going to be hit. We just have to understand. We have to prepare for it. Listen again to the words of Paul in Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time Paul knew that we live, as people who have been made in the image and the likeness of God, we live in a world that is comprised of human suffering. Paul experienced it, as we said a moment ago. So, just expect it. Think again about what Job said, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you get get through life without experiencing any kind of physical or emotional or mental suffering, you've done something. You are an exception to the rule. And let me just say this. I don't know of anybody that's lived very long on this earth that has not faced some kind of problem, some kind of difficulty, whether it be disease, illness, a loss, the loss of a job, some kind of a financial reversal, the death of a loved one, a friend, whatever. All of us face trials or troubles or problems in this world and guess what trials tribulations produce suffering now having said that let's talk for just a moment about the profitability of suffering can suffering benefit me can it in some way turn out to be a blessing in my life now typically when we're facing a siege of problems, we don't necessarily see the silver lining. As a matter of fact, typically, we, when we think about going through the, the trials of life, we look at those trials negatively. And we're somewhat hesitant to say, well, maybe some good can come out of these things. But the Bible tells us that there are some benefits or blessings or byproducts to human suffering. Well, what are those What are those benefits? Let me just share with you some things that I believe suffering teaches us. Number one, I would suggest that suffering teaches us patience. I was talking to Barry Barry Ray this past week, and we were talking about a number of things, and one of the things that, that we discussed together was patience, and Barry made a good observation, I thought, He said, when somebody prays for patience, it might just be the case that God opens a door for them to develop patience. Now here's what James said in James chapter 1. Count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking in nothing. Now Paul would say in Romans chapter 5 verse 3 that tribulation works patience. Have you ever prayed for patience? Have you ever asked God to bless you with a spirit of patience so that you can deal with the things of life? Maybe you say yes. If that be the case, is it not possible that some of the adversities and some of the trials and some of the difficulties that you are experiencing or that you have experienced have been put before you so that you might develop that trait or that quality. God can use the difficulties of life to bring about good. Think about what Paul said over in Romans chapter 8 when when he talked about how the difficulties of life, that God can use them To our good and to his glory. And I really believe that. Now, we talk about patience. Over and over again, the Bible emphasizes the need for patience. I I would also link to this perseverance. Because when you face trials and tribulations or human suffering in life, one of the things that you have to develop is a persevering spirit. Look at Jesus. You remember what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12? He talked about all those great men and women of faith who live by faith and obedience in the sight of God. And so in chapter 12, he said, Therefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he goes on to say, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What's the Hebrew writer saying there? He's saying, first of all, look back to these great men and women of God who, who lived by faith, who faced some tough times, difficult times, and yet they maintained their fidelity in God. But one of the things that helped them maintain that spirit of fidelity was a persevering spirit. What was it that enabled Jesus to, to go to the cross and fulfill the will of God? This persevering spirit. So you have to have patience and perseverance. But then also, let me give you a second thing that I believe Suffering teaches us. It teaches us greater dependence on God. When you and I suffer in life, we we realize that we can't make it through life alone. I think many times when we face difficulties in life, we see the need for a higher power in our own mortal life. Let me cite for you the example of Paul over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We referenced that just a moment ago. You remember when Paul had that thorn in the flesh, that messenger messenger of Satan that had been given unto him to buffet him? And he said he besought the Lord three times that it might depart from him. And here's what the Lord said. In verse 9, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so here was Paul's response. He had this thorn in the flesh. He's asking God to remove it like any of us would do. If we have some kind of difficulty, some kind of burden, some kind of problem, we typically ask God to alleviate our suffering, our misery. Well, that's what Paul did. And yet the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So here's Paul's response. Therefore... Most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think what Paul came to realize was this that he needed to trust solely in God. There's a tendency on our part as members of the human family to think that that we have done this or we've done that or we've achieved this or we've done this great thing here or that we have pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps or that that we have somehow delivered ourselves out of some kind of difficulty or some kind of burden. I really believe that what God wants us to realize is that we need him Day in and day out, 24 7. We need the Lord in our our life. You remember what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 3 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Learning to trust in God, learning to, to turn things over to God, which leads us, I believe, to a third thing that suffering teaches us it teaches us patience or perseverance it teaches us greater dependence on God and it teaches us to pray more earnestly one of the great privileges that you and I enjoy as as a child of God is prayer the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous his ears are open unto their prayers first Peter chapter 3 verse 12 to know that God hears our prayers Now, think about what Jesus taught in Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The tendency for us as as human beings is to just give up, to become exasperated, to just throw up our hands and say, Well, I'm finished. I'm done. I give up. Well, Jesus said what we ought to do is pray. When we are undergoing a siege of problems in life, we ought to be spending more time in prayer to God. Paul said that we ought to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. In Colossians 4, verse 2, he would say, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Why do we pray? One of the reasons we pray is to express unto God our thanksgiving. To express unto God how much we appreciate all that he does for us in this life. But there are times in life when we go to God in prayer because we have a mountain of problems looming before us. Or we are undergoing some kind of of unbelievable crisis in our life. And so we go to Jehovah God in prayer understanding that He hears our prayers and that He has the ability to do something about it. Think about what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. He said, Therefore let us draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help, listen to Him, in time of need. When we bow in the presence of God We are bowing before an almighty God who has the power to aid us. Now somebody says, I don't believe in prayer, I don't think prayer, I don't think prayer helps. There are a lot of people that think that in this life. But for those of us who are children of God, we believe in the power of prayer. We have seen the power of prayer at work. James said, the effectual... Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here's what James was saying. There is power in prayer. I believe that. And you and I as God's people, we have the opportunity to approach the throne of God whatever time of day or night and lay our burdens before Jehovah God with the understanding that He is there. Now here's a passage of scripture found over in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. But ought to be encouraging to us. Peter said, casting all your care on him. For he cares for you. Does God care about you? Yes, he does. Does he care about me? Yes, he does. All right, God cares about what I'm experiencing here on earth. So, if he cares about me, what does he want me to do? Cast my cares on him. Listen to what Paul said over in Philippians chapter 4. He said, in nothing be anxious. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he talks about the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's simply saying, don't worry about anything. Do not let your life be filled with anxiety. Are you facing troubles? Are you facing trials? Are you suffering in this life? Your answer is yes. Go to God in prayer. And when you go to God in prayer, expect God to do something in your life. Now sometimes God says yes to our prayers. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says wait. But we have the assurance that God is there when we go to Him in prayer. And again, thinking about what the Hebrew writer said over in chapter 4, verse 16. God We'll meet our needs. He'll help us. He'll come to our aid, to our rescue. That ought to be encouraging to us. And then another thing that I think suffering teaches us is to support one another. One of the great things about Christianity is that we are people of like precious faith. There is a bond that exists between those of us who belong to the body of Christ. It is a bond that runs deeper than flesh and blood. And so here's what Paul said, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you suffering? Are you hurting? Are you in need? Maybe you say yes. Is it not the case that there are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are there to help alleviate the difficulties that you face? One of the great things I can say about this congregation and and maybe not everyone knows it, but I, I can assure you this congregation is interested in people. And I've seen firsthand this congregation help people in a great way. I've seen the church here rally around people when they have faced problems and difficulties and illnesses in this life. Why? Because we care. We as a body of people care. And that's one of the things that suffering teaches us to care about one another, to, to come to the aid of one another. Why? Because we, we belong to the same body. We are people of like precious faith. In closing, let me just say this, that one of the things that, that suffering helps to put into perspective is life itself. Are we going to face suffering in this life The answer is yes. Whether we like it or not, we're going to face it. But you see, when we face human suffering, one of the things that it helps us to realize is that this earth is not our home. That this body, this temporal tabernacle of clay or dust is perishing. Paul said the outward man is perishing the inward man is renewed day by day. He said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. One day this life's going to be over. And all the trials and all the tribulations and all the things that we experienced that were negative from our vantage point, they're going to be long gone. And we'll be be in glory with the Lord. What a great thought. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said, for we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. One day, suffering will be behind us. It is, as Paul said, but for a moment. We live, what, 70, 80, maybe 90 years here upon this earth. But as the psalmist said, at some point in time, our life will be cut off and we'll fly away. And so the admonition is teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Human suffering puts life into perspective. Here's what John said in Revelation chapter 21. He said, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be any more pain. It'll be gone one day. So what we have to do is equip ourselves so that we're living right in the eyes of God so that one day, We'll be with him forevermore in a place called heaven, exempt from human suffering. Are you here tonight and not a Christian? Could we encourage you to come to Christ Jesus tonight? Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus can give you an abundant life. Are you here tonight believing that he is the Son of God and you would be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin? If so, you're well on your way. Would you be willing to confess the name of Christ before others, like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37? Would you be willing to be baptized into Christ so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22:16? 16? Would you then be willing to live faithfully until death? And the Lord has promised to bestow on you a crown of life, Revelation 2, at verse 10. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've allowed the sufferings of this present age to bring you down. Well, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you'll come home tonight, God will restore you back to fellowship. Would you come as we stand and sing?